It's time for Love Talk with the Lovelace, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love talking today with special guest Monica Klein about the realities of sex education. Thank you, Gabby. This is Evelyn Davison. We are in studio today and with a beautiful lady of love. How do you like that, lady? Oh, I love it. I love it. This is Coach Carrie Brinkater, and opening our show today was, of course, the First Lady of Love, Miss Evelyn Davison, and you have found the love talk and the love ladies, and in studio, our beautiful beautiful friend, Kathy Enderbrock. Hi, Kat. Hey, Carrie. Miss Evelyn, it's great to be here today and uh, in the studio with you guys, seeing your beautiful faces uh, in the amazing Austin, Texas, we've had uh, wonderful weather. It's been glorious. I've been sitting out on the back porch and and talking. And uh, and today on our program, we have an incredible guest with us who we've had once before, and we're just we love her to death, and we're excited to to share her with you. Um, it's been a hard time in our nation. It's been a shocking time in our nation, and I know a lot of us are just at a loss on how to step forward and move forward. I, I agree with that, Kathy. And, you know, we, we typically wait a little bit to introduce our guest, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest so she can um, talk with us in this opening segment about some issues that are heavy on our hearts today. We have Monica Klein from the Monica Klein Show right here on the bridge. She has her own show now. We're so happy to have Monica with us. She has She's the founding director of It Takes a Family, and she boldly exposes the whole truth behind comprehensive sex education and the harm it causes to our children. She talks all things families, sex, kids, um, and futures. And we're so excited to have Monica Klein with us today. Hi, Monica. Hi, ladies. It's such a pleasure to be here and an honor to be here with all of you. I'm actually a little jealous. I do the Monica Klein show on my own. I invite guests, and it's fun. But, you know, y'all have a great thing going with Love Talk. So thank you for including me. (laughs) 35 years, Monica. That's excellent. That That is amazing. Amazing. Well, you know, now listeners, if 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 you're joined as you're joining us with this morning, you probably have a cup of coffee in in your hand. And if if you're like me at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning, you're kind of like one of those baby puppies trying to get your <laughs> eyes open and looking at the seeing that first light. Well, uh, if you wait an hour after our fini- our show finishes at nine. Uh, if you tune in at 10 a.m. on Saturdays, you will get uh, a Monica Klein exclusively, and she's going to help you equip your family. She's going to um, maybe open your eyes to some things that uh, you need your eyes open to, and, and she's going to equip you with how to deal with them, how to have some really great conversations with your kids um, with your with your spouse, with your partner, and uh, I just I, just an invaluable show, and I'm so grateful that you've committed to being on the air. Oh, thank you. It's been a, a great a great journey, actually, a learning how to be on the radio. So it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Well, you're doing a great job, Monica, and we're happy that you're with us today. <clears throat> you know, as we came into studio, um, all of us, our hearts are just a, a little bit heavy. Well. I would say mine is very heavy about mm-hmm. the goings on and what has been happening over the last week, 10 days in our nation. And my heart is sick as I think about my friends of color and how their lives have been turned upside down this week. I get so emotional because I think in my career as a college basketball coach, I've probably coached more women of color than I have women that are my own color. And I, I adore these women and I cherish these women and their families and um, I, I'm just sickened about uh, what has happened over these past weeks. And, you know, really, has it been decades? Has it been centuries? Has it not just been these past weeks? Our calling as Christians is to follow God, period. And I read a post by a friend of mine, and I just grieved. And we're given so many freedoms in this country, and we are free to be angry. We are free to be angry. But you know what? In Ephesians 4, verse 25... It says, therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, yet do not sin. And I could go on and and talk about the rest of those verses in Ephesians. That's Ephesians 4, starting at verse 25. It says, be angry, but do not sin. And I just, I wonder where we've gone if we're if we're letting our anger control every single one of our actions, if we're letting our anger just override every single emotion to where we're clouded by truth and peace and love and unity. 
And so I, I want us to really think about that um, critically as we look at these issues that, that are really close to our hearts. You know, I think the, the I guess the quote that comes to mind over and over again was from a Martin Luther King Jr. And he said that darkness does not, darkness cannot, cannot, it is incapable. Darkness cannot cast out darkness. Only light can cast out darkness. And hatred cannot cast out hatred. Only love can cast out hatred. And, you know, I think when we're looking at our nation and we're looking at cities burning and we're we're dealing with this anger, and I think all of us, uh, black, white, every color, every every race in America was angry at what mm-hmm. happened in Ma- uh, Minneapolis to George Floyd. We could all see that there was a cop as a bad actor who was uh, dehumanizing mm-hmm. This this man, this uh, this man who had life and purpose and a future. And as we have continued to dehumanize life in this nation through abortion, through pornography, for through viewing other people as less or as less valuable or invaluable, we are destroying the fabric of what a God has created within this nation and um, so I think we all felt that anger and we're all trying kind of clamoring on how do you respond? What do you do? Because we all felt kind of propelled to do something. Uh, but it just seems to me that, you know, when we are seeing all of these bad actors organizing within our cities to burn them down, when we see pallets of bricks dropped off in key locations of downtown cities, uh, when we see people paid to come and agitate and destroy and hurt, I mean, we've seen other innocent people murdered because of mm-hmm. this. We've seen other, you know, innocent cops who are trying to keep the peace brutalized. We've seen a beautiful historical church mm-hmm. in our nation's capital burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. And even George Floyd's own family is saying, stop, stop this, stop this madness. This is this does not represent us anymore. You are not speaking for us anymore. And we have to decide what future do we want for America? Do we want our our cities burning to the ground or do we want to be light and do we want to be love? And we have to decide what we want to press into because it will determine the future of this nation. Well, you know, we've got two hard licks. We've got the physical germs that destroy life. And in this mindset that, you know, it's uh, I... Uh, I'm to be king, or I'm to be this, or I'm to be that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you look at it from the perspective of a family, there are always those times in family life when you've got to stand up and say, this is wrong, mm-hmm. or this is right. And I think that's so true, uh, Monica, when we look at you and see the work that you're doing. Uh, with the unborn, you know, we are in serious trouble in this nation physically, Mentally, and as a, I don't know, it's hard to describe the feeling that I have, uh, I've had this week with all the things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Did I ever think that America would come to this? No. Mm-mm. No, it is, it is very shocking to see how we've reacted in, in what seems to be in such a short amount of time. Um, I think it's really obvious that there is a real division and a creation of those divisions. And it feels overwhelming, you know, as, I, as I'm listening to you all, I'm thinking, you know, gosh, it feels so overwhelming. I know all of us feel overwhelmed. Like, how do we fix it? How does this happen? And 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 then I thought, well, it takes one family at a time. Uh, let's bring it down. Like, instead of thinking, okay, what can I do in my whole community? What can I do? The best thing you can do is properly respond within your own home. How do you talk about this with your own children? You know, and, uh, and, and yes, that what we're seeing is dehumanization. So we see this cop who dehumanized a man and, and killed him. And That's people wrong. around him dehumanized this man and didn't react to protect him. But then we see the dehumanization of the reaction. So, okay, so we had anger. But, but we took that anger so far that I saw videos of people, you know, a, a man in Dallas came out of his business to protect his business from being destroyed. And he was kicked and punched 
until mm-hmm. he was motionless mm-hmm. on the ground. And just left for dead. And yeah. left for dead. And that was dehumanization. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to be going, and it, it's beginning to spiral. And the people who left the pallets of bricks and who gave instructions on how to beat up people, uh, it, it just all of that is dehumanization. And there is a real enemy who is attacking family, attacking humanity, attacking the sanctity of life through this, through abortion, through sex education, through pornography. Anytime we allow ourselves to dehumanize another person, through whether that's emotion because of our anger or whatever it may be, if you've gotten to the point where you are no longer seeing your fellow human being as a human being and you yourself, you know, and think about it, when you are beating another person, you're, I mean, essentially, you're dehumanizing yourself as well. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, no human who who believes in life and respect of life would do that to another person. And, and so we're, you know, so my my call is for families is is it's it's okay. Give those emotions. It, it, you're an advantage if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. He, we can lay those emotions down at his feet. We can get to the word of God. There's so many scriptures. Ephesians, you know, we were just talking about Ephesians a little a while ago. And he gives us instructions like, where let no corruption, no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, mm-hmm. but only such as is good for building up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do that on a daily basis, whether I'm managing or whatever, whatever it is that I'm doing is, is the, are the words that I'm speaking building up the other person? Mm-hmm. Because if they're not, they're, they're not worth speaking. And I haven't always followed that scripture. And I have, you know, over the weekend, I kind of got a spanking from the Lord because I was, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it happened to me. I talked to a good friend of mine and we both got spanked over the weekend by God. I mean, that's how I called it because I allowed myself to just kind of have loose talk. And mm-hmm. next thing I know, I hurt people. And so we, it's important that we control our tongues. It's important that we control our emotions by giving it to the Lord. Um, but, but, yes, I think we need to really pull back and realize we cannot continue this cycle of dehumanization in our culture. You know, and I think that there are, you know, there's agendas that want to divide this, this country. I mean, we had... Uh, you know, we they want for us to see things as Republican versus Democrat, mm-hmm. and that if you're an African American person, you cannot be a Republican. And we see things like on Twitter where conservative African American voices are getting suspended, like they can't even, mm-hmm. you know, Candace Owens, she mm-hmm. can't even get her account up. And so they're silencing these voices. And, you know, I remember growing up, we had Uncle Greg, he was daddy's best friend. He was a tall, gorgeous, uh, just totally beef, beefy <laughs> black man from the South. And his his skin was not that really um, creamy black. It was like black, black. And he had the deepest, fullest laugh. I, we loved our Uncle Greg. And I remember he would take me um, ice skating, and he was a brilliant ice skater, and I just loved spending time with him. And uh, I would I would be ice skating with my friends on this outdoor arena, and Uncle Greg would show up, and he'd come around, he'd grab my hand, and I'd get to go around the arena with him. And it just made me so proud because he was joyful and life-filled, and I I never grew up with this white and black. It wasn't until I went to college that I discovered, you know, that there's this intended separation or something that that people want us to be divided. And I've always fought against that. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is what I would say to friends. You know, we get scared as Christians to talk to Muslims. And now people want us to be scared as whites to talk with blacks or people of color. What? That's ridiculous. And so, friends, how we move forward in this, we can't be scared to talk and reach out and establish relationships. Neither can we dehumanize life and value life as less than. Life is life, and it's God-given. No life is less than the life of another. Friends, we have an incredible uh, show, too. We're going to kind of um, step aside from um, from 
from the topic of, of skin color, we're going to step into valuing life, how not to dehumanize life, what the implications are for our family with abortion, with pornography, with valuing one another in the family unit with Monica Klein. You're going to want to stay with us for this discussion, friends. We'll be right back with you on Love Talk right after this. And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk. This is Kathy Enderbrock in studio today with Coach Carrie Brinkater and the First Lady of Love, Miss Evelyn Davison. Friends, happy Saturday morning to you. We just, uh, we're glad to be with you. You're, we're so uh, grateful that you're with us today on KTXW, The Bridge, Austin. Today's uh, Christian talk in Central Texas. We are building bridges of love and leadership, friends, and we need more bridges of love and leadership. Absolutely. And so, friends, we are going to uh, just get right into this with Monica Klein. We so value her. She has an incredible background and perspective. And one of the things that we love about Monica is she is into reclaiming the family. She wants parents to reclaim parenthood, to become children's greatest advocates and educators. We're not going to give that role to someone else anymore. We're going to take that role. We're going to do great things with it to the glory of God according to the purpose that he has set out. Um, for us as parents, and he has bright futures for our children, good things for our children, and for us as a family. And we're going to press in today uh, about how we can press into those blessings that God has for us as a family. Now, Monica, you have an incredible quote um, on your website from the Brookings Institute. It says this, that if a young person does three things in sequence, that is, graduates, works full-time, and waits until married before having children, their likelihood of living in poverty as an adult is only 2%. That is an incredible statistic. So education, job, marriage, children. Why, why are these benchmarks so important as we look at poverty statistics? Yeah, you know, this is a really popular um, research that I love to share with legislators as well. Uh, because it's we we all want to prevent poverty in our country and across the globe. And here we see this study that was done cross-culturally. And so even a family who who lived in poverty, but yet their children followed these the sequence, found themselves coming out of poverty. Wow. And and so I use this because I do a lot of work with sex education. And so I, I really try to convince parents that comprehensive sex education, which encourages children to be sexually active at a young age, um, is is harmful. And so I use this because really when we see that the sequence is, is that if we can get our children to just focus on, let's be honest, just being kids, mm-hmm. focus on their schoolwork, Focus on having relationships with their friends, having, you know, having good, happy relationships with their kid, you know, with, with other kids um, and and not being distracted by, you know, it's natural that children are at some point are going to become attracted to, you know, thinking about dating and and they get the butterflies in their stomach and all of those things. They have questions about their bodies. All of those things are natural. When my son came to me with all of those feelings and changes in his body, I said, well, <laughs> this is great news because your body's working exactly how God intended it to be. Those things are happening because God meant for those things to happen at this stage of your life. And and I let him know, I was like, listen, you're going to hear all kinds of things about dating and relationships and your body and sex out in the culture. But I want you to bring those home and talk to me about it so that I can guide you on the best way to go. I say, but hey, thumbs up, congratulations, your body is doing what it needs to do. <laughs> like that is totally you're normal. Yeah, you're totally normal. It's great. Um, where we, though, start to believe, the culture wants us to believe that just because our children are feeling those things, that, oh, then they should be sexually active. Oh, you should just let them be sexually active. Well, they've got that feeling. They must be sex- They need to get sexually active. They feel like doing it, so they just must do it. Our children are a lot animals they're not like you know and, and I don't and I hate saying that in the sense that it sounds dehumanizing because it is is to compare our children to have to act on the feelings that they're getting through puberty is as if you're comparing them to an animal or a dog that you know that all of a sudden they're just going by instinct mm-hmm. and that's not humanity 
we're, we're not animals. We are the human race. And so, but a lot of comprehensive or deep comprehensive sex education wants our children and our culture to believe that our children should become sexually active at a young age. Now, going back to the study, when our children do that, they run the risk of disease. Mm-hmm. They run the risk of um, getting uh, be- becoming depressed. Most kids who are sexually active report having higher incidence of depression and suicidal ideation. They're putting themselves at risk of becoming pregnant. They're either going to have the child or they're going to be convinced to then kill their child through abortion. When that happens, our children obviously are not having healthy relationships. They are not in a healthy place emotionally, spiritually, or physically. They're beginning to get distracted from their academics. Their relationships are suffering. When that, I mean, that is just a formula for them not to be able to succeed as they need to at that age, which means that if they become pregnant as teenagers, their likelihood of graduating decreases or they end up getting a GED, their likelihood of of pursuing higher education decreases, all of which will lead to poverty. Now, are there stories of young teenage girls who had their child, had the support that they needed, graduated from high school, went to college, got their degrees? Absolutely, yes. And I applaud those young women, and I know a lot of those young women, and I think it's amazing. I've also met couples that they stayed together. They had the support of their family. They got married later on, you know, had their children as teenagers, and, and they they don't recommend it for their own children, you know, and they were, but it's it, that would be the formula of, of a family that had to really come together to make that happen. It doesn't, you know, so I'm not saying that it can't happen, but for the majority of us, we want the best for our children. You know, it's, my mother always taught me, you know, we, we, she was a laborer. She, we grew up in poverty and she would always say, I want better for you. Mm-hmm. I want you to do well mm-hmm. in school because, and that's what a parent's job is. That's what she told me. Every parent wants their child to be better than they are, to accomplish more than them. In other words, we set the bar high for our kids. So setting the bar high for our children as, uh, and, and I don't say just as Christians, it should be for all families, is to protect our children at a young age. And here we see a research research showing that if we protect our children, allow them to be kids, support them in their academics, help them to graduate, instill in them that working full-time is normal, mm-hmm. you know, you need to work if you want to live and have a home and do all those things, and wait until you're married to have children, then those people succeed. I mean, that amazes me because comprehensive sex education, you know, we were sold the lie that that awareness is the way to go, that having them understand all of this is the way to go. And yet comprehensive sex education has now turned into a a tool of grooming children for sexual behavior. Well, and that's these statistics on the Planned Parenthood website. It says that Texas has the third highest rate of teen pregnancy and the highest rate of repeat teen births in the United States. So let me address that because this is what's really interesting. Is, um, and I have a graph that, that demonstrates this. Uh, and this is all data that we got from Guttmacher, mm-hmm. uh, which is an arm of Planned Parenthood. So when you compare Texas, and again, we'll have to, a visual helps a lot, but we're on the radio. So <laughs> um, if you compare Texas with New York, for example, New York has a very low teen birth rate. Okay, so when I say birth, it means most of the their teens are not having babies. And so they're like, yeah, Texas is bad because we have such a high birth rate. Well, here's the difference. When you actually look at the numbers, you see that Texas has very few abortions in comparison mm-hmm. to New York. Mm-hmm. When you look at the teen pregnancy rate... So when when a teen finds out that she's pregnant, Texas and New York are very similar. Mm. The big difference comes where Texas is pro-life mm-hmm. and our families have their children and they honor life. Mm-hmm. New York is destroying the life. Mm. They have a huge, more, and talking about race earlier, more black children, pre-born children are killed than born in New York City. Mm. And the same is the same statistic is in Chicago. I think Abby Johnson on her website mm-hmm. in talking about the dehumanization of life that has actually made all of these riots possible in, in, in her words, 
um, she quoted 800 African-American babies killed in one day in the United States. That number seems, I was like, that number cannot be right. And it is right. It is right. And so Mm. that, so when we look, when you hear that, that that Texas has a big problem, Texas is not any different when it comes to the pregnancy rate compared to other states, but Texas is a pro-life state, Mm -hmm. which is something to celebrate. It means we value life here, all life, preborn life, the life of our elderly, the life of different culture, cultures, different ethnicities. We value life in Texas. So why do we have a higher birth rate in Texas? Because we value life. Well, and, you know, something else that was shocking to me is these statistics about the comprehensive sex education that 40% of teens ages 18 to 19 say that these federally funded contraceptive-based sex education programs made them feel pressured to have sex. And 32% of teens said that they felt more pressure to have sex from this type of sex education than they did from their partner. Right. And I, I just, so Monica, you're you're so against this comprehensive sex education, and the statistics are, are mind-boggling to me. And I listened to some of your interviews and your speeches, and you're so eloquent. And the way that you that you describe this, you tell stories about girls who are shocked when you ask them the question, well, have you ever thought about not having sex? Yeah. And they're, they go, oh, that, yeah. that's an option? Yeah. I, but I already started. Yeah. What we need to understand about comprehensive sex education uh, and, and all the organizations that really have come together for this, this has been happening since the 40s. Um, and I think, anyway, but yeah, so... What it is is that it, it they believe in a counterfeit sexual freedom, mm-hmm. a counterfeit sexual rights. And what they're teaching the children truly is you should and you have the right to be sexually active. And that's when they use the word sexual rights, which is counterfeit. Mm-hmm. This is the point I usually make. When we think about human rights, We think about an oppressor. There is an oppressor who's trying to take away our rights. And I ask the audience, and I'm asking it now, who in all the world would stand between a child having sex? And usually the answer is that it's the parent. It's the parent. It's the mother. It's the father who's going to say, I do not want my child having sex. Because that is a natural instinct to protect your child. It is a very good instinct yes. to say, I don't want my child mm-hmm. having sex. And it is very dangerous for them. CDC also calls it one of the highest risk behaviors for teens is being sexually active at a young age, at their age. Um, and so what we see here is that comprehensive sex education is an advocate for childhood sex. And so they do groom it, groom, uh, groom children to have sex. They're not just talking about risk they're actually encouraging sexual activity and then they teach them how to eroticize the use of condoms lubrication how to talk to multiple partners about disease because they know they will get a disease Mm. Um, and so and what's interesting is that when I first started exposing this people were like you know I always had credibility because I used to be a comprehensive sex education educator but now I mean the truth is they are comprehensive sex educators are so bold in saying these things. I mean, I have an app um, that I subscribe to that teenagers subscribe to through a Planned Parenthood in California. And I get these messages of, woohoo, you know, I mean, just really highly erotic messages mm-hmm. encouraging teenage girls to be sexually active and to celebrate it. So they are not hiding what they're doing, mm-hmm. but they're calling it right. And parents are being silent. And many parents are starting to believe, well, I get, you know, they're believing this counterfeit belief that they're going to be sexually active anyway. But the quote that you're talking about, Carrie, is that when I have actually talked to young men and young girls about this topic, they end up talking to me and asking me questions about uh, one of the, the stories that you're referring to. A young girl actually asked me how to improve a sexual activity that she was involved mm-hmm. in because she was having a negative reaction to it. So instead of thinking I should stop doing the thing that I don't like doing, she actually was asking me, how can I do it so it's better? Mm-hmm. 
And so I said, well, when you do this, it sounds like you don't like it. You know, you're getting this reaction. You don't like it. She's like, I don't like it, but teach me how to do it better. Maybe I'll, I'll start liking it. And that's when I asked her, have you ever considered just not doing it? Mm-hmm. And all of those kids for the next 20, 30 minutes, you know, the first response was no one's ever told us that we don't have to be sexually active. Then those kids started. I did not tell them to do this because I was a comprehensive sex educator at the time. They started talking about ways they could hang out with each other and not have sex. And one of those, actually, Carrie, was playing basketball. Yes. Yes. The <laughs> a great way to not have sex. I don't, the, go to the basketball It court. was so cute because it was a 13-year-old girl who asked me this question about a sexual activity. And when I responded and said, do you know you don't have to do that if you don't like it? And so, anyway, then the, the one boy said, hey, we could just play basketball at the at the park. And the, the same young girl said, with a lot of attitude, mind you, she said, um, I'm really good at basketball and I can beat you. And his response was, I know you are, and I don't care. I still want to play. Aww. Yeah, it was so sweet. Mm-hmm. And these kids talked about, you know, this was in a, in an impoverished area. They lived in government housing. They had a community center that had free movies and free snacks. And so that was one of their suggestions. Hey, guys, we have free movies at the community center. They even give us snacks. We could just go and watch a movie together. It was beautiful because I, I guarantee you, Mom and Dad, if you're listening right now, Planned Parenthood, when they talk about abstinence, That is not what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. They're still talking about children touching each other and not having intercourse, but they're still eroticizing it and encouraging them to continue to touch each other or watch pornography together. And that is not a lie. You can look it up. It is. They are boldly sharing this information and they're getting away with it and they're sharing it in our public schools. It's rotting our children's minds whenever you think of a, a young boy who is told that watching pornography is okay and then he has his first girlfriend or or whatever and thinks that that woman is an object Mm -hmm. and there is no human face to that woman it is all about an object of desire and um it's so counter to what what scripture and what God tells us that we are that we are beautiful that we are beautiful creations and that we are all worthy of love. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6:12, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Mm-hmm. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You know, yeah, well, you know, I mean, Planned Parenthood says you have the right to do this. Well, but yeah, I have the right to come to the radio station in my underwear, but is that beneficial to anyone? <laughs> love it, love absolutely it. not. No, absolutely not. That is beneficial to no one. Okay? I mean, I have the right to do a lot of things. Right. But it's not beneficial to my health, my wealth, my safety, my my mental, my physical being. And so, golly, Monica, the, the this topic um my daughter would die, but she actually, well, she's going to listen to this program, but she actually went on her first date this week. And that was, um, you know, that was a big deal. It is a big deal. Um, that's a big deal. It was very casual, um, you know, but um, like you said, it's normal, right? Yeah. And and we want to make it sweet and innocent for our kids. They, they should be um, enjoying one another's company, right, and not worried about what lies ahead down the road um, in adult relationships. Um, So, Monica, what should we be teaching our kids? You know, uh, this comprehensive sex education is is obviously not healthy um, mentally, and these kids are saying this to you, but what should we be teaching our kids? You know, I think it's just going back to Scripture. You know, when a Mm -hmm. lot of parents ask me, or I've asked parents, like, why is this so difficult for you to talk to your children about sex and relationships? And I wanted them to admit what it was that was so difficult. And they Mm -hmm. admitted because it was so uh, graphic and it was so awkward. And then I challenged them and I said, who told you to be graphic? Right. Who, Who told you to do that? And when we go to the word of God, God is not even graphic about the intimacy between a man and a woman. And so when I spoke to my son, I talked to him about all that was good, all that was praiseworthy, all that was beautiful, right, Um, about a husband and a wife. 
and it wasn't. And so he was about in the fifth grade when he finally asked, you know, little by little, we kind of kept going and going, you know, Mm -hmm. and answering questions. And and I would only go as far as he was comfortable. Um, And and he when he finally learned about the actual act, which I was not graphic about it, I didn't show pictures. I don't think pictures are necessary. But, you know, he was young. He's like, that's awful, mother. I "I know. I'm like, "I, I understand what you're thinking. I said, but let me tell you what intimacy really is. And I started to really reveal to him uh, the the relationship that a husband and wife are to have according to God, how a man sacrifices for his wife the way Jesus sacrificed himself to the mm. church, um, how, she, you know, how she is his best friend, like his helper. like And I just described, like, this is a person who no one in the world will know you like this person. And and so anyway, so I was going on and on, and then I realized, okay, he's in fifth grade. He's, <laughs> his head is going over his head like, whatever, Mom. So I stopped, and I, and I said that. I was like, okay, I, I think that's enough, Ibri. And he looked at me, and he said, Mom, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. So we need to give our children something, not just something to look forward to, but the truth to look forward to. We need to be speaking what's beautiful into his life. When he went on his first date, I let him know you're going to enjoy this, but I want you to know that her mother and father just gave you permission to take someone, their daughter, mm-hmm. whom they love, a treasure, whom only they have driven and protected her whole life. They're giving you permission to take her somewhere. Mm-hmm. That means you need to protect her. You are to protect her and keep her safe and honor her. And he loved that because he also saw his stepfather doing that for me. Mm -hmm. So he would open the door and he would get her her favorite ice cream. He treated her with great respect. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that, you know, we men want that. Young men want that. And the same thing with our daughters is to give them those expectations. And if you're modeling that at home, then they understand what that should be like when they go out on a date. So, but at the same time, parents, which is why I really encourage them to follow me on It Takes a Family on my website, ittakesafamily.org, you do need to know what the culture is saying Mm -hmm. and doing because you need to give a proper response to your children about what is happening in the culture so that they have confidence that you are a leader and that you have answers and you can guide them to help them navigate this very confusing world. How can a parent, father, mother or father, really establish in young people the value and the purpose for intimacy how how do you explain that to a 12 or 13 year old you know when for for myself personally with my son I was a single mom for nine years and I think a lot of it is just how I modeled it to him as well the intimacy that we had there's a lot of respect and, and honor between a mother and a son um, and it was protection. And so then it's just really explaining that to your children as well and modeling it. Um, it's so important. Bringing Model, it, yes. Yeah, and modeling it. So you have to speak it and model it. Many people think it's just the modeling, but you have to speak it as well because there are other people speaking into your child's life. Could be the television show. So many different areas. Um, but what's also important is, especially with, ha- with what we're seeing happening recently with these riots, is we need to give our children a sense of value and purpose in their lives, that they have a valuable role within the family. Mm-hmm. And when they know they have value within your own mm-hmm. family at home, then they can take that over when they create their own family or when they're living a single life as an adult. So purpose and value, teaching that within the family is so important. You know, whenever you start up an organization, they always tell you, you need to establish a vision mm-hmm. for your organization. You must articulate a vision. What are you going to accomplish? Who are you going to reach? Where are you going? Why are you even establishing an organization? And Monica, you have said that a life-affirming vision is of utmost importance for our youth. So that that a life-affirming vision makes it easier for them to avoid choices that do not align with their vision. And so I want you to share some examples. I I know we only have about a minute and a half left in this um, segment. If you could even share an example of how a life-affirming vision can impact the life of our youth. I think it's when you are sharing the word of God. And in our everyday life, um, things that I modeled with my son is is the generosity that we share with other people, strangers, someone in our church, someone in our neighborhood. Um, and then explain that to your child as well. Um, you know, it, it, I truly just follow what God has said, that we are to share the word of God 
And those examples, as we're walking by the way, as we're sitting down and eating dinner, take every opportunity to be filling your child with life-affirming messages from God's Word and showing him and her those examples in everyday life. A life-affirming vision, that is something that we want for um, our children a life that uh, we want our children to value life, value all life, value their life, and have a vision for what uh, their future partner is going to look like, their future marriage, their mm. their own children one day. Well, friends, we are going to take our break. We're going to hear from our amazing sponsors. We just love them so much. We love that they also help you uh, right where you're at with your needs, whether uh, it is landscaping and yard work, whether it's a place to live, uh, or if you need some help with your automobile, friends, our sponsors are there for you. We're going to hear from them. Join us back in just a minute on Love Talk. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's Christian Talk with the Love Ladies. I feel like we're racing through today. I... I wish we had another hour with Monica Klein, um, but we we don't. So, Monica, we'll get right back into it. Um, you know, I love it. On your website, you have a lot of resources, and um, there's you giving speeches and, and doing interviews. And, Kathy, one of those was about risky behaviors. Walk mm-hmm. us through that. Okay, well, Monica, you you yourself said, and and the CDC has said, that one of the highest risk behaviors for teenagers is sexual activity. And, um, And you've made this point. You say, why is it that when it comes to sex, we want to continue to allow people to engage in these risky behaviors because we have other health health models like smoking cessation don't do drugs that encourage kids to avoid risky behavior but why would sex be any different i mean it just it i i don't get it when i think about this model of anything goes with comprehensive sex sex education here in austin when i think of the types of things they're pushing in california with phone apps and just being so outrageously out there encouraging our youth to have erotic and intimate uh, relationships you know, sometimes I feel so overwhelmed as a parent. The Planned Parenthood is too big. They're a multi-billion dollar organization. They're already into all this comprehensive sex education in our schools. It's too much for me. I can't. That's too big of a giant for me to fight. How, how do you raise your children and, and fight the giant? Oh, my goodness. You know, you're you're right about the, the health approaches. You know, there, there is a risk reduction health approach and there is a risk avoidance health mm-hmm. approach and risk reduction in my, is basically uh, go ahead and engage in the risky behavior and we'll just teach you how to reduce your risk for disease or unplanned pregnancy when it comes to sex of course which means um, using condoms lubrication getting tested getting treated and having an abortion um, or we can take a risk avoidance approach which says you know, this is actually a high-risk activity for you at this age, not only physically but emotionally and, and spiritually and could have long-term um, consequences like not finishing school or getting a higher education. So this is risky. How about we help you avoid having sex at this age, just for this age, not forever, mm-hmm. you know, just at this age when it's really dangerous for you and help you to instead focus on your academics, forming healthy relationships, enjoying your childhood. Um, You can still, you know, go out to a movie with someone that you like, things like that. You just don't have to have sex and give them permission not to. Um, And so what I'm finding is that the culture has gotten so used to um, this message, a false message, they're going to do it anyway. And and you know what? Some kids have had sex, but many of them decide to recommit to avoiding sex until they become adults. Because the the statistics show that the children, when interviewed, who are sexually active say that they regret it and they wish they had waited. Mm. So majority of these kids are saying that they that they regret doing this and they wish they had waited. And and the question that you had Kathy about, you know, Planned Parenthood, the media, it's all so overwhelming. I can't possibly do anything. Um it, I thought about my mom at that moment when you said that because I could see my mom just putting her fist down and saying absolutely not that is my child and I 
create the, you know, I'm the authority. I create the narrative for my child, not the world. Um, and that is, that's what we need. We need parents to really reclaim parenthood. This is your child. And let me tell you, the statistics actually show that when the, there was a poll, and this poll was actually created uh, or implemented by a very liberal organization, and the teenagers said, you know, that the question was, who influences you more in your decision to have sex or not have sex? And the youth said, my parents. Mm-hmm. Parents are powerful, and Planned Parenthood knows that. That is why we see our laws changing in our country that say that children can still get abortions without parental consent or that children can go to a clinic and get birth control and condoms without parental consent because they need a law that erases the parent, that keeps the parent out of the picture. There's also laws and a movement to now keep our children at school for longer hours, earlier in the morning and into the evening. That is all a plan to ensure that parents are not the authority and the leading voice in our children's lives. Do not be deceived. So when a parent thinks that they cannot combat the culture, you're absolutely wrong. You are already in the best position to influence your child because there is no one in this world that your child wants to be loved by and supported and protected by more than you. That is a fact. You know, even when I worked among children at a shelter who had been abused and removed from their parents who abused them severely in so many different ways, those children still love their parents and they wanted to go home Mm -hmm. because it is an instinct within us to want to be loved by our family Mm -hmm. and to have hope that that family will love you and protect you and be there for you. So even if your children are rolling their eyes, the truth is they want you to set boundaries. They want you to love them. They want you to have conversations with them. They especially want you to listen to them and to acknowledge their thoughts, their feelings, and their questions. You are in the most powerful and best position to influence your children's decisions in every area of their life, and you must reclaim parenthood and do that. And it's not too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. I mean, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, crud, my kid's 16. They're they're a lost cause. No. No, they're not. Friends, this, this study... Um, that that was done by a liberal organization, um, says that 87% of teens said that it would be easier to delay sex and avoid pregnancy if they could have more open conversations about it with their parents. More open conversations about it with their parents. Parents, you know what? I don't care how you were raised. It doesn't matter how you were raised. What matters is the steps that you're taking to raise your own children. And we make these excuses like, oh, no, I wasn't raised that way, you know. Um, But times are changing, and we have to talk about things because it's all over the stuff that they're looking at every single day on their phones, on the computer, on the television. It is everywhere. It wasn't as pervasive when my parents were growing up. It wasn't even as pervasive when I was growing up. Now it is constantly in our faces. It is. Planned Parenthood is very aggressive. And so if your child is on any kind of social media, TikTok or I mean, there's so many different ones. They get flashed advertisements on how you can have sex without your parents knowing, how you can access um, comprehensive sex education and getting appointments with a gynecologist and get birth control without your parents knowing. Literally lessons on how to do that, how to get an abortion without your parents knowing. So they're constantly being bombarded with this. Um, How to use pornography to improve your relationships. I mean, it is a constant messaging and attack on your children. Um, I mean, I've gone as far as saying, and I did this with my own son. Do not allow them to have those kind of things. I mean, you're basically giving the world permission yes. to bombard your child with dark thoughts and images 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, when when I had my eyes open to everything that Planned Parenthood did, uh, aggressively mm. does and and what their agenda is and um you know i i was naive i literally thought that planned parenthood was a place that uh gave out uh birth control 
And as a very last resort, if you had to have an abortion, if there was no other way that that they would provide that service for you. But when I had my eyes open to just all the wicked things that they do, that they're aggressively grooming our children for pornography, they're aggressively grooming our children for early, early sexual um, encounters, um, that's when I got to the point that I was like, yeah, I don't think they should have money anymore. Let's defund Planned Parenthood, you know. And, and they've they've taken it a step further because now it's also become um, question your sexual orientation and question mm-hmm. your gender and become an activist for both of those movements. And um, it it's it's in the curriculum and it's yeah. all over their website. So it it's gone beyond just becoming sexually active. Where they are now taking our kindergartners and and having them wanting them to figure out if they're truly a boy or truly a girl. I it is I you know friends we need to as Monica says reclaim parenthood and have those conversations understand that these voices are out there and you know I I think even vote for politicians who want to and are willing to fight against planned parenthood to defund them to remove them as a voice in our education system to remove them from curriculum development Monica give us the information how our friends can reach you. Sure. You're on before we are on. I'm no, saying. right, right after. Right us. after so, us. Well, an no, hour. not right. Hour after. An hour after. Okay. Ten right. We're on at eight. You're on at nine. I'm at on ten. at ten. Mm-hmm. Ten. Yeah. Okay. So you can okay. listen to my radio show at ten in the, every Saturday at ten in the morning, and you can also contact me and the resources that we've been talking about. You can find at ItTakesAFamily.org. It takes a family.org and feel free to email me at Monica at it takes a family.org. Thank you, Monica, so much for being with us. We adore you. Your work is so very, very important. Thank you for being a voice um, for those that might be scared, for those that might not know how to have a voice when it comes to these very important issues with our families. Reclaim parenthood. You know what, friends? Let's say that you're you're, this has made you nervous, this conversation. There's hope. There's healing. And there's a healthy life waiting for you, waiting for your children, waiting for your family. I pray that you would know that Jesus loves you. He, Friends, we are all sinners. Every single one of us have made mistakes. But this book that he gave us called the Bible, it is his word, and and he became flesh, and he dwelt among us so that we could have answers on a path to living a life that is healthy and wholly full through Jesus Christ. You can contact us, friends, on the love line at 512-249-6535. You can find us on lovetalknetwork.com. For my beautiful colleagues, Miss Evelyn Davis and Kathy Enderbrock, and for Monica Klein, I'm Coach Carrie Brinkader, and we'll see you next time right here on Love Talk.